Hello, and welcome to another episode of Some Random Thoughts. I am your host, Ryan Wilkowski. On this episode, I have with me my special guest, Laura Isabel Perez Cernuda. From loss of loved ones to being almost homeless more than once, Laura Isabel is living proof that you create your own happiness. Always willing to lend an ear and even help pave the way for others to also find that happiness within, she radiates joy to all those that surround her. A certified life and happiness coach, Laura Isabel has empowered thousands to continue taking that next step, no matter how small or difficult it may seem, towards that internal sunshine. She has helped many find and change those triggers and patterns that have held them down for so long. Originally from Miami, Florida, Laura now lives in Cadiz, Spain with her partner and her 10-year-old pup, Joy. Her favorite things include nature adventures and cooking and eating really yummy meals, although she leaves the barbecuing to her partner. In this episode, we talk about her background as a former coach and now as a specialist who assists other coaches in building their platforms to reach those in need of support. We talk about her losses, her gains, and how she has maintained a sense of hope and built up resilience and strength along the path towards greater happiness. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Laura Isabel, welcome to Some Random Thoughts. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to have you. Um, we first met for the audience. I want to, you know, set that up a little bit. Uh, we first met uh, through a mutual friend, Mandy Capehart. So shout out to Mandy. Uh, she will also be on this podcast as well. So you get to hear from the lovely Mandy and you're now going to get to hear from the Laura, uh, lovely Laura Isabel. Um, but we met and connected that way. And Laura Isabel invited me to be on a grief summit that she put on in 2021, which was very successful and very wonderful. She had, you had over 30 guests on that grief summit. And um, the amount of information that you provided free of charge is honestly invaluable. Um, It was the equivalent of somebody paying hundreds of dollars to go to like, a summit. I mean, there are summits like that, that people put on across the country and across the world. And they'll charge hundreds of dollars for the amount of expertise that you were able to bring on and the amount of information that was shared and the amount of people that were truly helped from it. So I just want to give a shout out to you and thank you for all the amount of work you put into that and the amount of lives that you impacted because of that um, without charging anything. Um, That's really commendable of you, especially in a world where, you know, people that create things, they want to, you know, be compensated for the time and the effort and the energy that they do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to like, you know, give kudos to those who do the same thing and they're able to do it without charging people. So tell me about um, a little bit about yourself, first of all, before we just jump right into your work, just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, what you do, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah, definitely. So, by the way, thanks. I'm going to get back to that. Um, yep. <laughs> yep. So, like you mentioned, I'm Laura as well. 
Um, I was actually born and raised in Miami. Background is completely Cuban, Cuban household. Um, so yeah, Spanish is my main language. And I actually grew up in Miami, but I am now living for the last seven years in Spain. Um, I actually moved first to Ibiza and then now I've been making my way towards Cali's just moved here last weekend. So Yay, congrats. <laughs> Good. Yes, so now I'm on the way here. And I know a little bit about me. I like long walks on the beach. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, it's, like, yes. it's like a dating um, ad. I like long walks on the beach and I like really nice meals uh, for dinner. No, 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 I'm just kidding. But you have a partner and a dog. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your family. Yes. So actually from a really big family, I'm the smallest of six. Um, oh, wow. really okay. close to my father always I was like daddy's little girl uh, <laughs> so um, they're living far away from me now they're in Miami which is really tough I think that's the hardest thing about living mm. so far the fact that you're so separated from your family growing up in a family that's so tight um, yeah. having that distance between them um, and now I'm here with my partner he's actually from here uh, when I met him I was about to go back to Miami and I was like I guess that was oh get out oh man <laughs> So strange how love works, but um, it's like when love gets you, it gets you, right? Can't, yeah. can't, uh, can't resist it. It's true. Can't, can't resist him. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, that makes me happy that you yeah. have someone like that. Yeah. And then I have a dog. Her name is Joy, and I absolutely love her. <laughs> what kind of dog is that? when I come home. What? Uh, what kind of dog is Joy? So she is a mix between a Labrador and what we believe is a Border Collie. Oh, so beautiful. she looks like a lot, a lot smaller than that, really skinny, but has a lot of characteristics about Border Collie. Oh, good. <laughs> Dogs yeah. and a partner. Look, having that kind of uh, love and that kind of companionship, you can't really beat that. Like I, I too, I mean, I'm blessed to have a wife. I have two children. I also have a little Yorkshire Terrier, little, little Yorkie named yeah. Buster uh, and he's almost eight years old. So um, he's starting to get up there now, but um, dogs are just wonderful. And uh, I'm so happy uh, that you have such a large family. I can kind of relate a little bit. I mean, I'm one of three, but my extended families, especially on my mom's side, because uh, for those who don't know, I'm mixed race. Uh, my dad is white, my mom's Puerto Rican. And so my mom's family at one time, especially when I was growing up was massive. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, great grandparents, grandparents, lots of aunts and uncles, lots of cousins that I still yeah. called aunts and uncles. And that's the one thing that I think Americans don't realize is that in certain cultures, especially Caribbean cultures, and I think in India as well, it, it doesn't matter if uh, what the relation is, if they're older than you, if they're like an elder, you call them like an aunt or an uncle. Yeah. So I didn't realize that growing up, I legitimately thought my aunts and uncles were my aunts and uncles. And then I realized they were all like second cousins but because they were so much older than me. I just called them aunt and uncle. I just want to throw that little tidbit out there for people. Cause I found that, I find that interesting. I don't know if it's the same for you, Laura Isabel. Yeah, it's basically the same, especially if, for example, I mean, 
Latin family are just very big in general, and they'll just keep yeah. bringing more people. And like the yeah. friend that grew up, they're part of the family. They're the brother, they're the cousin. And I feel like some people be like, "Wait, but are we really cousins? Or are we not?" <laughs> so I love that I can like kind of relate to that a little bit with you uh, and share that with you because uh, a lot of people just don't have that kind of that uh, understanding or that just background, and that's okay. But to talk to someone that does have that, it's just really fun. So no, I have. Uh, but to, you have a really big family. Like I said, you know, that's the one thing I really don't know is to have a really big family and you're super tight knit with them and you're super close and it was super loving and, you know, and then to have to move thousands of miles away has got to be really difficult um, because I do come from a fairly close family. Like my immediate family, were all fairly close. Um, extended family were close. Uh, we all kind of are spread out a little bit, but we're still close and, you know, still talk. But um how was that adjustment for you, you know, moving away from, you know, a very large family, very close knit family, and then going all the way to Spain. <laughs> and then um, how do you deal with that kind of adjustment, you know, the loneliness and homesickness and things like that? Because I think, especially with COVID over the past two years, of the, as of this recording, um, it's been hard. P people have been separated from their families that maybe were never used to being separated. Because even if they lived away from them, they would come travel back several times a year. And uh, but now they can't do that. So like, um, I guess we're going to kind of jump into the, you know, what you've learned in tips like that right away. But um, how do you deal with that? Because I know a lot of people, you know, that are in that situation that find it very difficult. So how did you cope? And how did you adjust to that? So I think first of all, the hardest part was COVID, even for myself, who was already stabilized or I was already comfortable where I was. But mm. during the COVID moments, you did have those moments where you couldn't fly back when you wanted to, not even once a year anymore. Um, so it was a lot more difficult. But the way I really handle those type of situations is a lot of times I realized the first time I left my home, it was just to go to college. It was an hour away. But I realized really quick that when I went away for college for an, an hour away, what I did was actually hold on to home. And that hurt me in the long run because what did I do? Every weekend I could, I went back home. Um, when I wanted, to, I had friends that would ask me, oh, let's go home. And I say, no, no, I'm gonna go back home. Everything was back home. Mm. So I didn't make my life where I was. And that just caused a lot of pain and suffering because I just wanted to always be back home with my friends from home and my family from home. And I didn't allow myself to enjoy the moment I was actually in, in college. And I think when I moved to Spain, um, I had already taken that experience with me and I had already realized that I wasn't able to enjoy that college experience as I could have because I was so attached to home. So yes, did I do visits? Yes. Did I do phone calls? Of course. But I allowed myself to actually make my community, my friends, my groups, my circles without comparing them to home. So I just went out and did stuff I like to find people that also did things I like where I can make new friends and enjoy what I was doing at the moment. And yeah, I had my moments where I would fly back home and I would enjoy it. And then when I came back, I was like, oh man, I really missed it. Those uh... last two weeks were great. But you get back to the rhythm of things. And it's just basically about really learning how to enjoy the moment you're in versus trying to compare it to what it can be or what it was or anything of that sort. Mm, that's really good wisdom there. So it's learning to make home wherever you are yeah. and, so, and then not comparing what home was to what home is. 
Cause um, you're right. I think when you're doing the comparison trap, it, it, um, you know, somebody said, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever you're comparing, wow. you're stealing what could be a really good thing that could be full of happiness and joy and companionship and socialization, and all those things that we need as humans and you rob that. So mm-hmm. like you said, being living in the present moment and then, you know, not comparing those things, but just enjoying it for what it is, is so uh, valuable. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to talk more about what you've learned, um, but tell us a little, tell us a little bit about your work. So I know that you are a former life and happiness coach, but now you also, um, but your current work is you work um, in specializing building digital platforms for coaches and others. So tell us about your former work, your current work, and kind of how the two are connected and how you find meaning and purpose in, in all of that. Yeah, definitely. So um, it all started actually in the digital world. I was always with the digital world doing um, webs- websites, platforms, apps, funnels, landing pages, all that stuff um, for small businesses. And then I actually got into happiness coaching because I kept having people come up to me and say things along the lines of, I don't know how you're always so happy. You've got to teach me. You've got to write a book. You've got to do something. So I was like, you know what? Let's give this a shot. Let's try to see if I can help people, not just my friends, but uh, other people as well. So I got a certification. I did that. And that was great. But then last year, at the end of last year, I actually was having a lot of trouble times. Um, in September, I had to run back to Miami because a family member had gotten breast cancer. She was having surgery. So I went there oh, for wow. that for a month. Um, okay. Then in November, my mom actually got put in um, critical care in the oh, ICU. Yeah. Um, okay. And she was there for about a little over a month. We didn't know if she was going to make it or not. And that was really mm. tough. And at that moment, I always say when you're going to go towards happiness, you have to find what truly triggers you and you have to learn how to handle that. And one of the things that triggers me is social media, my phone, technology, in the sense of like having to be on top of it. Yeah, me too. Wow. Yeah. And when I was going through that moment, I can do things, but I couldn't be on top of my social media. I couldn't like, I couldn't have that connection. It was really, really tough for me. But I found that it was okay to continue helping people. It was okay to continue being on the computer because it wasn't, um, for example, when I was with my mom, I was in the hospital with my mom. She wasn't awake. She wasn't like, she, I couldn't, she wasn't responsive. Mm-hmm. So I was there, but it's not that I needed to pay attention to anything. So I can't, I was able to, for example, finish some work I was doing, help other people. I had someone that was doing an event. She asked me to help her and I was able to help them with that. Um, And that's when I started realizing, okay, if I'm not ready to put myself in a position where I have to be on social media or everything of that sort, at least I can help people who are helping people and I'll feel like Mm. I'm on indirect line to helping them, you know? Um, So by helping them, I was giving them more time, more energy to do what they do best, which is help the people that they're helping. Um, and that's how I kind of came back to it since I was already good and I already had it formed up before the coaching. And then I got in that troubled spot. I was like, okay, not a problem. I'll figure this out. I got put two yeah. together and yeah. we'll figure this out how to continue helping people. And that's what I did. Well, I'm really glad to hear that common thread that um, of helping, you know, being of service. It sounds like something that's a very intrinsic to you and your personality and, and where your heart lies. Um, I'm sorry to hear about all of the, um, 
the the struggles and the the, the difficulties with your family members how's that going is that on the up and up is that is that okay what's going on especially with your mom and your other loved ones you talked about yeah so everything right now is going really well um okay the one in surgery in september she's good she's clear it's just maintenance Great. now um okay. my mom um what had happened with her was they found well they thought what it was was that they found a tumor in her uterus did a hysterectomy it ended up being something completely different um, that just came up during the other situation it had to do with her mm. colon actually burst. So she, she had like her blood was toxic. Um, mm. So we had some rough times, but honestly, my mom is the biggest trooper you can imagine. Like she was just wow. nonstop fighting and she pulled through and we still have some, a few more complications and my complications, okay. I mean, surgeries and procedures. Yeah. Um, but it's going day at a time okay. and it's going good. Well, your mom is definitely in my thoughts. I hope she Thanks. continues to recover through all the future surgeries and procedures that she'll need um, and your other loved ones as well. Um, that's tough. It's tough to see your loved ones go through, especially mm-hmm. medical um, traumas um, and mm-hmm. medical scares and difficulties. Um, you know, I've had that recently with, you know, my parents, you know, on and off for the past few years, my younger brother went through a lot of medical uh, traumas uh, when he was much, when he was very young, like starting at like, he's always had, you know, some health issues from the time he was a little kid, but he had, you know, cancer in his late teens and early twenties. Um, he's in remission from that. Now everything looks great. He's doing really well, but to, to see your family struggle through that is, is very difficult. And I can know the amount of, um, the grief, the amount of uncertainty, the amount of pain that's involved. So um, my thoughts are definitely with you and your in your family. Um, and I hope everything continues to improve and continues to go well. Um, and so send prayers and, and love and thoughts and vibes to Laura Isabel and her family, um, if you're listening to this. Um, t- so I can resonate a lot with uh, a lot of what you just said, which is as much as social media has been very helpful to me, in connecting with other people. Um, You know, I think on and off, I've been trying to build a platform for a long time and then, you know, things would go great and then something would happen. And then I would immediately, like you said, social media would just immediately be um, triggering for me. It would just, for some reason, I just would, it just was not healthy for me to connect in that way anymore. And so I would have to take breaks, like long breaks from it um, just to, check in on my own mental health and to do, and to just disconnect and to really take care of myself. Honestly, it was a way of, it was a form of self-care for me. And, um, but you're right when you're a content creator and you're trying to build a platform, it's hard. You can't really take breaks from that. Like from what I hear from most content creators, a, a lot of them who are friends of mine, they say it's a grind. It's a constant just being on social media 24-7, constantly putting out new ideas, new content, trying to get, you know, the algorithm to like you. So you're getting the clicks, you're getting the likes, you're getting the engagement that uh, it, and all the stuff that goes with that, which you can explain in much greater detail and much more um, <laughs> expertise than I could. Uh, I know nothing about it. Laura as well knows a lot about it. But it was hard for me. Like just, uh, so I think for me, it's like, I've given up on that part on that portion of my life, which mm-hmm. is really trying to be a content creator, which there was a lot of grief that was involved with that because I've been wanting to do that for like 10 years. And I would have moments where things were really looking great and taking off. And, 
you know, I, I thought I was going in a good direction and then things would just stall for like years at a time or months at a time and it would just go back and forth. So thank you for sharing that and being so vulnerable and honest about that because um, that helps me to know I'm not alone in that um, yeah. feeling. I thought it was just me that struggled with no. <laughs> social media. I thought it was just me that struggled with, you know, content creation and to know that other people have struggled with it and they've had to pivot and they've had to adjust uh, like I have uh, makes me feel seen. So thank you for sharing yeah. your story because it's been helpful for me. And I hope it's been helpful for many people uh, as well that are listening to this. Yeah, definitely. It's crazy because I think that's one of the biggest things with coaches is why, which is why I went in the direction of helping coaches do a digital aspect because I mean, they you get into something really wanting to help someone, but there's so much behind it that take your time and energy that yeah. there's not as much time put into actually helping people you know um which is why i came to the thought of if i help them take all that time that they're doing and the energy they're putting into something that is not being the best use of their time because what they're good at Mm. is helping people then in direction in connection i'm kind of helping the people they're reaching as well right um so you're definitely not alone this is a lot of people So tell us, I guess, because this is a really good uh, segue, tell us specifically about your work as like, uh, you know, I don't, for a lack of a better term, a digital platform specialist, you know, helping be, helping coaches build platforms, maintain platforms, increase engagement, things like that. Tell us more about your work. Tell us about how people that are interested in building a platform can find you and can connect with you. Um, I just would love to hear more about that. I would love to hear just more about like what you do, how you're helping coaches um, and and everything that's involved in that and uh, where people can find you and connect with you if they're interested. Yeah, definitely. Sorry. So, um, so what I do specifically is for example, let's say I as a happiness coach, when I was um, doing, doing coaching, um, basically when you go into it, what you most love is talking to people, helping them through their situations, helping them see what their vision is, helping them um, be aware of what their triggers are, getting them all this information at hand so that they can decide which direction they want to go. It's not so much to give them a direction, but so they can decide which direction they want mm, to go. Right. Um, but if you see a coach's day, a coach's calendar, the times that they're actually talking to people are very minimal. Why? In the back end, what they're really doing is not emails with their clients. What they're mostly doing is setting up their sequences, that, their email sequences that go out. Mm. They're setting up an event. They're setting up the marketing for their events. They're setting up all the different connections and platforms in the back end to actually get to you people, to get to those that they can help. Um, and that's basically where I come in. So I basically take all those tasks off their hands. For example, I have a coach right now who wants to redesign her website because right now it's not in line with her vision, with what she feels she is trying to capture. So I'm helping her with that. Um, I have a, a healer and coach that I'm helping. She wants to do event, an event right now. So I'm helping her actually set up the event, doing the landing page, getting all her emails in, um, in order, her marketing for the promos, uh, promotional period for the speakers, helping her get her speakers and helping her get everything so she can focus on the material that she'll be giving versus all the back end stuff. 
Um, I'm helping another coach with the accounting, helping them get system and processes in order so that they can have a smoother um, transition for the accounting, know exactly where the money is going um, so that when they grow, they can see where they need to put more in or if they need to take something out so they can continue going forward. Um, so I basically do everything in the back end where what you, everything that you don't see, yeah. <laughs> that's basically what right. I take care of. Even the smaller things of um, maybe something on their calendar, they want some mundane tasks, putting systems in order for that, making automations for them so that they receive a text message instead of having to go look through everything, um, things like that. Just anything that makes their life easier so that they can focus on the people they're helping themselves. I mean, my goodness, that is like so incredible. I think that was one of the major reasons why I struggled for so long is because I just didn't fully realize how much work went into it or how many skills I had to acquire or try to acquire to be able to successfully build a platform that was sustainable and that could grow and that could um, increase engagement and things like that. You know, And so for you to be able to help coaches and others with all of that backend stuff that, as you call it, the stuff that coaches don't really want to focus on because they want to focus on creation and they want to focus on engaging with their audience or whoever their collective is, um, their viewers or, you know, uh, community, whatever it is. Um, that's the kind of work that people really want to do, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Most people don't want to do all that stuff, but for you to be able to help them say, look, I'll take all this that you can focus on creation and engagement. Um, that's huge. I could see the immense value in that. Yeah. And um, so I really, uh, I think that's incredible work. And uh, I'm glad I know you because you never know in the future, if I change my mind and I want to pivot and I really want to get you know, <laughs> more engaged with uh, that kind of work, I have someone that I could go to. There you um, go. <laughs> and, and, to and, and then I get to help support you as you support me. And I think that's the nice thing too, is that, you know, people are going to pay you for your energy and for your expertise. And then, uh, in, in the, and then you're helping them get paid for their expertise and you're helping them. So it's like, that's the great thing about, you know, truly supporting like small businesses and truly supporting like individual, like entrepreneurs, you know, uh, you know, solopreneurs or whatever is, you know, when you're all helping each other because you have certain set of skills that this person doesn't have and vice versa, that's a really beautiful thing. It feels a little bit more meaningful than, you know, me going to Walmart and, and, you know, paying for, you know, I don't know, a shirt or something to a big giant corporation that makes like billions of dollars, right? That just doesn't feel fulfilling. You, no one, no one gets fulfillment or very few people get fulfillment from like buying something and then supporting some big giant corporation. But like, if I buy a piece of jewelry from like my friend, I know I'm supporting my friend. Like I see the tangible effects of supporting my friend, right? If I support, uh, you know, a coach, if I need coaching services and I pay for those services, I'm supporting that person. Like that's really making an indelible difference. So seeing the, the positive aspects of really supporting, you know, small businesses and solopreneurs and entrepreneurs and stuff like that um, is wonderful. That's why I really want to make sure I'm like, listen, if you guys need these services, please reach out to Laura Isabel. She does a wonderful job. I've seen her and I've seen the work that she's created and put on and it's, it's fantastic and it's impressive and it's high quality. So please, if you need those services, please reach out. And we're going to make sure we have all your details, Laura Isabel, in, um, in the show notes and the bio and all that. So that way people can just click and connect. 
Um, and so no worries about that. But I want to talk a little bit about, in the time that we have left, shift back into the difficulties that you had growing up. Because we know, and you've talked about before, that you have had significant grief and loss um, from early years, you know, all the way to now. Um, tell us about some of the adversities that you had with grief and loss, with some insecurity, um, when it came to like, whether it was financial insecurity or just, um, housing insecurity, things like that. Um, and how did you, you know, move through those things? Because those things are incredibly difficult and a lot of people get stuck and it, and it changes them and, and either people move forward in the best way that they can and, um, they find some healing and wholeness from that, or they just stay stuck and they stay trapped in the, uh, you know, the negative, you know, feelings or the uh, unhelpful feelings that they may experience. So tell us just about your background. Tell us about the things you've went through and how did you um, move through those things? Yeah, so I did suffer a lot of loss when I was young. It started with my brother, some best friends, wow. um, a few people. But what really, really was like broke the the the, the straw that broke the camel's back, yeah, like they right. say, um, was really when I lost my father. Um, mm. To be honest, he was like my backbone. I was like I said before, mm. daddy's little girl. That was yeah. my man, my main man. Mm. You know, um, to the point where like people would think I was crazy because I would get upset if he didn't wake me up on Saturdays to go to work with him because I wanted to go to work with him. You know, um, he was from. Wednesdays, Sundays on Wednesdays, like at Carvel Sundays, like ice cream Sundays on Wednesdays, yeah. to escaping to the Keys, us too, because we didn't want to do laundry, uh, to going to the ranch because he was like a total cowboy at heart. So we'd spend all oh. day at the ranch, back and up and down. Everywhere he was at, I was next to him, sitting yeah. on his lap, not on a chair next to him. My brother would always say, you know, there's other chairs, right? I'm like, I want to sit here. <laughs> <laughs> on top of him, and I'm not talking about five years old, I'm talking about like, like 14, 15, still sitting oh, on wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I was really close to him. And a month after I turned 16, um, I actually got a phone call at school. Um, after school, we were about to start practice, and... Um, I received a phone call. My mom told me that she was going to come pick me up because my dad was in the hospital. And I remember she didn't say anything in specific what had happened. Mm. But I remember the moment I hung up the phone, I just fell on the floor and I started crying and crying. Mm. And at that time, my best friend came up to me and she said, Laura, like, it's okay. He's going to be okay. He's at the hospital, but you're going to go now. He's going to be okay. And I looked at her and I said, he's dead. Like, he's dead. And wow. Yeah, there was no one that told me that, but I had felt something that it was, that's it. He was gone. Uh, and sure enough, I go to the hospital and they had told me he had passed before. They talked to me on the phone and he was done. Oh, and, wow. Um, so that was like probably one of the most painful moments of my life. Mm -hmm. I've lost other people before, but that was like my life was yeah. not there. And it was really difficult for a lot of years, honestly. Um, it wasn't until about four years later, um, I was sitting at a park and I was with all my friends and I was sitting there, everyone was laughing, having fun, dancing. And I was just staring at them. And I felt like I was there, but I wasn't there. I don't know if right. anybody listening can understand that. Yeah, kind of right. Like outer body experience. Like you're seeing yep. yourself, but you're not in that moment. Yeah. 
And I realized that I was, and I had said it before, it just didn't click in my mind what I was saying, but I was literally just waiting for life to like continue by. Like I was just watching life pass me by and I hadn't mm. said it and I never realized it till that moment. I was like, wow, it's been four years and I'm just letting life pass me by. Like I'm not doing anything. Wow. wow. Um, and that's kind of when I got that, that little switch in my mind and I said, I got to do something about this. I got to figure out what I want. And um, at that moment, that's actually when I started moving forward and started actually getting myself better. Because I do think that it's really difficult, but only you can pick yourself up and keep yourself moving forward and find mm. what is wrong, what you're feeling, so you can try to change the way you're feeling or find a reason and try to find meaning towards it. And I know it's really hard to hear that, find meaning towards something. And it's not that... I had to find meaning of why my dad was pa- like passing. It's not mm-hmm. that I'm saying it's good he passed right. away. I don't want right. my dad to pass away. I'd rather have my dad. Of course. Right yep. Now. Absolutely. Um, but there's certain things that you grow to really understand. Um, for example, I was a total daddy's girl, and I didn't have a word of my own. Not because my dad didn't give me one, but because I wanted everything my dad wanted. Mm-hmm. so I right. wasn't independent I wasn't um I didn't have any say in anything I would just go with the flow as great as that is and as innocent and nice as that is as a little girl I look back and think if that moment would have happened I would not be an independent person I would not be mm. a person that knows what I want a person that goes after what I want because mm. I'd just be following the same little path so I had to really start thinking in a different way, shift my mind and start seeing things from a different angle to start realizing that I needed to continue moving forward and to find good in the situations that happened. Not saying that the situations are good, but finding what was good in the situation Mm. and finding myself really. and yeah, I've had, um, after that, there was a few other things, of course, but I think the most impacting one, the one that stayed with you also, um, was when I was in Ibiza, obviously I'm miles away from home, um, yeah. ocean away from home. Yeah. And, um, more than once, yeah, I, I found myself where I didn't know where I was going to live, didn't, I was mm. basically rice and eggs and potatoes, there was not much, I wasn't making much at the moment. Um, I, it was especially when COVID hit, that was the, the second one. Um, you know, everyone was kind of in the same situation. And I just didn't wow. have my family there to fall back on, right? Yeah, so I, was on my right. I just didn't know where to go forward. But I remember someone would talk to, would look at me and be like, Laura, like, what are you doing? You're just saying everything's going to be fine. You keep moving forward, but you're not realizing the situation you're in. Mm. And I had already changed my mind shift from when my father passed that I was continuously looking at things a different way. Mm-hmm. That in my mind, I knew the situation I was in. I knew I might not have a home. I knew I, might, I didn't have all the food I could possibly eat or anything mm-hmm. of that sort. But I also knew that it was gonna be it was gonna be okay and that I was gonna learn something from this. From that moment, mm-hmm. I was gonna learn something. And it was just about continuing to move forward and finding the good in every single day, living in that moment. Don't think about 
a week from now, am I going to have a roof over my head? Mm. No, right wow. now, what do you do right now for this situation? You know, um, so I didn't let myself focus on the bad. I let myself focus on what am I doing? How are we going to get out of this? You mm. know, um, and that's something I think um, enough things come at you at once and you kind of start learning how to manage yourself. What works for you? What doesn't? Um, I think everyone's very different. Um, but one thing that is true is the way you think, the way you handle situations in your mind, how you let it get to you. Um, so yeah, some people can be really good. Some people prefer meditating. Some people prefer dancing. Some people prefer mm -hmm. to stay off social media. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, why are you doing it? What's in your mind? What are you telling yourself? And how are you getting yourself out of the situations that you're in? How are you getting yourself to continue moving forward? Wow. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, this is all very powerful. And I really appreciate all the wisdom that you shared from your lived experience, because um, those are very difficult times, everything that you've mentioned. And a lot of people would crumble under that kind of weight of difficulty and the weight of adversity. But for you to be able to shift and to find a way to move forward in the midst of adversity is extremely inspiring. And this is why I wanted to bring you on, because I know that your story can help so many people. Um, and, you know, look, look, you know, the majority of us have struggled in the past two years, especially because of COVID. COVID brought on this onslaught of, adver of adversity in many different ways for the first time in a century, you know, you know, I, you know, frankly, that it affected everybody, right? Like it was one of those things, you know, this pandemic has been one of those things that has affected everybody. You know, you, you, you have adversities all over the world, right? There's wars and there's famine and there's, um, you know, difficulties uh, all over the world all the time. But this was like the first truly global thing that has happened, like I said, mm -hmm. in like a century. So I think for the first time, none of us could really escape those effects, right? We couldn't pretend, well, that's not in my backyard. That's not affecting me. Uh, you know, it did. So for you to be able to talk about these things is so powerful because first of all, I mean, I'm a hospice chaplain and bereavement coordinator and a grief counselor. And so I work with people who are dealing with uh, the loss of a loved one on a daily basis. And a lot of times it's just you know, the grief is so intense at the beginning, right? As you described with the loss of your father in particular, that grief just hits you like a ton of bricks, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and you're feeling this weight of emotions, you know, emotions that you might have not felt that intensely in a long time. So even to navigate through those emotions can be difficult enough. But then after you're able to, you know, navigate through the intense portions of the grieving process at the beginning, you're still left with the rest of your life. You're still left with, how do I find meaning? right? Which is why I loved your grief summit last year. And I love the title from morning to meaning, because it really is finding the meaning after the intense morning. That is the hardest part. I always tell, you know, uh, David Kessler, grief expert has a book called finding meaning. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, ta he talks about how that's the sixth step, right? Because, you mm -hmm. know, you have Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who talked about the five steps and he said, that's the sixth step. He said, that step is the longest one. It's the lifelong one. Cause you'll get through the anger, you'll get through denial, you'll get through depression, you'll, you'll come to acceptance. But then right after that, you're like, okay, how do I adjust? Because my loved one's gone. I wish they weren't gone. I wish they were here. That person meant so much to me. What do I do? Right. And, um, and the thing too, is that you lost your dad at such a young age, you were 16, you know, um, losing loved ones as a child and as an adolescent 
is so much is, is just as impactful as it is losing that person as an adult. And I think a lot of times we forget about child and adolescent grief, you know, because we have this old saying that gets perpetuated all the time. Um, oh, you know, children are resilient, you know, you know, it won't affect them. They'll be fine. You know, tell us about dealing with loss in those developmental years as a child and adolescent, because you could speak to how did that grief feel as a child? How did it feel as a teenager? Because a lot of people think, oh no, children and teens, they're, you know, they're totally fine. They'll get over it. They'll move forward. It doesn't affect them the way, grief doesn't affect them the way that uh, it affects adults. Adults feel things and it changes them. And, but I don't think that's true at all. And at least in my experience, um, tell me about your experience though, specifically as, as a child and as an adolescent dealing with significant loss. I was a mess. Um, so, <laughs> so as a, I think as anybody, when you go through any type of loss, that is a huge change in your life. You become a new person after that. It doesn't matter what type of loss it is, whether mm. it's you lost someone, you lost a home, uh, you mm. lost an opportunity, a marriage, anything, anything. Yep. After grief, you are a completely different person. So you need to find meaning because you need to re-encounter re with yourself, like learn mm. who you are again. You know, because you're not the same person anymore. And as a child, when I lost my dad, um, I was, it's like, you you know how lost, or at least I knew how lost I was. Um, sometimes as an adult, you kind of encounter grief and you tell yourself so many things to get through it, right? right. But as a child, you're right in the middle of this pool drowning and you're just like, you admit to yourself, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost. I don't want to be here. Wow um those thoughts those thoughts that no one wants to listen to no one wants to hear from a child they come into your mind and they really overwhelm you and the worst part is you feel this um baggage of i can't tell anybody because i can't i don't want them to suffer even more than what they're suffering mm. so for example in my as i was a, when i was a kid and i lost my dad um i didn't go to my mom because I didn't want her to suffer. She was already suffering. I didn't go to my sisters. I didn't go to my brothers. I kept myself very isolated from everyone. Um, not only from my family, I was really isolated and quiet from my family. I didn't talk. I was usually like this talkative, fun, <laughs> hyper person. Bubbly, just, bubbly person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can tell. I can tell right away. You know, five seconds talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was definitely not me. I feel like that right. was very of course. like in my family at least where i can't hide how i was my sister even came up to me she's like i need you to at least talk like you need to at least talk to me write me an email that's actually how we started talking again i would write her emails wow um, i couldn't talk okay. to her okay with friends like i my dad was my best friend so when you cut that cord i automatically felt this insecurity of I don't want to get close to anybody because anybody mm. I get close to, they're just going to take them from me. Because imagine mm. I've lost so many people before him and he was just like that thing that broke me. So I didn't want to get close to anybody. So I made friends, but I lost my ability to make connections. Mm. I made more of an acquaintance than friends. So I, I didn't know how to make friends anymore. Yeah. Very isolated, uh, very like, I'll give you a smile, but inside I'm dying type of yeah. thing. Yeah. And I couldn't be home. And I this is something I really appreciated of my mother. My poor mother probably suffered so much because of it, but it meant the world to me. She 
obviously was suffering a lot and she would try to get me so much help she went everywhere she could to get me help in school psychologists everything and one of the things that she did I think was the most useful I couldn't be home I couldn't be home because I would feel like my dad would be coming up the stairs I would feel yeah. like oh he's coming home it was just depressing for mm. me to be home mm. and it might have been because she didn't know how to handle that but she gave me a lot of freedom to be outside of my home at a young age she allowed as long as we had that communication I was upfront to her where I was I was very um I let her know everything at every moment so so that she knew I was okay she let me kind of take it on my own and if I needed to be out with friends I could be out with friends which was really nice because I couldn't be home I couldn't yeah. think I didn't want to think right. and her having that trust in me might have been yeah horrifying her because imagine I would oh, imagine what are you doing out there well it's the same it was the same thing you described it was like her children are her life and to like have allow them that much freedom because you were talking about how it was really hard for you to build connections again with people because mm. you were afraid of, well, if I get vulnerable and I make this connection and there's some intimacy there and I lose that person again, I'm going to have to deal with that flood of pain again. And I don't want to deal with that pain again. And your yeah. mom probably felt the same way about her children. Like she oh, lost yeah. her husband. So to allow my children to have this like greater freedom and I can't control all the factors. And what if something happens? I don't want to deal with that pain again. That's so incredibly self-sacrificial of your mom in the midst of her own grief, like you said. And so I find that incredibly touching and I'm like almost moved to tears listening to your story. It's such a, it's such a sad, but such a beautiful story. There's so much hope in the midst of that pain um, yeah. that you all have experienced as a family and you did individually as a child. So, yeah. So you talked about, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just really want to mention like oh. the story is a really powerful story. Um, so you mentioned how after the loss of your father, just being at home was incredibly hard because it was a constant reminder that your father wasn't there. Um, you know, you would make, you would make friends, but the level of connection you would be able to have with people was severely decreased. It, there was like a wall that you were putting up separating people because you were afraid of getting close again to people because you're afraid of losing them again. Um, you, the self-isolating factor, a lot of teenagers and a lot of children have told me that all they want to do is just like crawl in a hole. You know, they don't want to talk. They don't want to be around people. It's, it's just this. Um, and, like, and like you said, I've heard this from other teenagers in particular, as they said, you know, I don't want to go to my mom or go to my dad, whoever like the other parent is, right? If they lose a parent, I don't want to go to the other parent because I don't want to burden them. I, they're already suffering. I don't want to bring more suffering upon them. But mm -hmm. in not talking about your feelings and not having those connections, you're when you isolate, you're just internalizing everything and it makes the grief so much more compounded and so much more complex. Mm -hmm. um, but let's get to the part that you were about to jump into, which was, you said the greatest, one of the greatest things your mom did and one of the most helpful things your mom did for you in your grief was to give you a greater freedom to be outside of the house and to connect with people you felt comfortable with. Over time, um, over the months and the years after that, I know that you said you struggled, I think for around four years after the loss of your father, until you had that awakening moment of life is just passing me by and I feel completely disengaged from the world. I need to do something about that. So along with, you know, connecting with other people and, and having greater freedom, um, what else was helpful for you? Like what, what were the things that really got you 
out of the thick and slog of that grief and into trying to move forward and starting to find some happiness and peace again? So there was a lot of things. Um, for example, my family, my mother, um, my family in general from my mother's side is super, super positive, super, mm. um, there's good in something, there's good in everything type of people. Um, so having that positive, being around that positivity really helps. Mm. Even when you, sometimes when you're young, you get frustrated, you're like, it's not all yeah. good. Right. But actually it really does help in moments like that. Um, I also started going to the Miami Vineyard, which is a church, and I actually started volunteering a lot with them. That was a way to okay. get myself out of me and into okay. something else, and it made me feel better. Um, that actually helped me a lot as well, being able to um, go to the church, volunteer with them, stuff like that. Um, really helped me a lot. More than anything, the volunteering, the being with other people, helping other people, mm. um, that was a big, a big thing for me, I think, as mm. well. Um, also, I, I, when my father passed, I kind of lost all hope of going to school, didn't want to do anything like before. So it, I needed to really find who I was and find the meaning of what I became after my dad passed to actually start finding the joy again. Mm because it was something a lot it was something like for example I didn't want to go to school I didn't want to go to school because I had this vision with my dad of what I was going to be but if he was not there then what was the point of the vision I didn't have that connection with myself I had since I lost him it felt like I lost everything but it was only because I didn't have that connection with myself what did I want what did I need what would make me happy so all these little things slowly started coming into place the moment I started finding meaning in what was happening and trying to really understand what I want going forward. Um, and right. I think those are the things that helped, like going, um, volunteering, helping others, made me see what I liked, what I wanted, what I wanted for myself and for others. And things like that would help me. That's uh, really wonderful to hear just those practical things, because I think so much of moving through grief, it feels so abstract and it feels so like intangible, like it's just out of reach to find healing out at, you know, after grief and after loss. But for you to really talk practically about the things that helped is going to help so many people, you know, talking about trying to have a positive mindset, trying to live as present in the moment as possible, seeking connections with people that you care about, um, volunteering. So being of service to people that are also hurting. Um, all of these things and more that you've shared are so practical and so useful and it's gonna help so many people. So thank you so much for sharing your story and the things that you've learned in your grief journey, um, which leads us to really what the topic of, um, of this uh, episode is about, which is about happiness. You know, that you can find happiness again. You can find joy again. And the biggest thing you said was, when I learned that I needed to connect and reconnect with myself, you know, and to not just hold on to the connections I had with other people, but to really truly feel like what do what does Laura Isabel want, right? Not did what did my father want for me, even though there's nothing wrong with like doing something out of a honor of your loved one or trying to propel your father's legacy forward. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that's not a way to truly live day by day for the rest of your life. It's really your life, you know, 
And I would trust as any good father would, and you know, I'm a father of young children, but I would hope any father would feel like, I don't want you to live your life for me. I want you to live your life for you. I'm here to support you in that journey. And it sounds like your father was an extremely wonderful man who gave you all the love and affection and wisdom and care and security and all the things that you needed. And um, I can imagine your father is very proud of you. And, um, and I'm just blessed to know you as a person and to hear your story because um, it can be painful sharing our stories, right? It brings up a lot of emotion. It brings up a lot of, um, of different feelings, but sharing our stories is powerful. And that's really the purpose of this podcast is I want people like you and so many others to share their story. Cause I think sharing stories, we learn from each other's stories and we learn what it means to be human. Um, but I want to close real quick with, um, again, you know, if people want to connect with you on social media, or if you have a website, um, where can people connect with you the best? If people want to reach out to you specifically for, you know, if they, if they're a coach or they're an entrepreneur, or there's somebody that's interested in building a platform, um, where do people go to find you? So Instagram is great. Laura is above BU for breathing a boom too. Uh, <laughs> I'll explain that another time. <laughs> but um, so yeah. Laura Isabel BU, as in Barcelona and Umbrella. Laura Isabel BU. They can reach me through Instagram anytime they want, even if it's uh, whether it's for a service or not, whether it's just to chat, whether it's something okay. else that they're going through something the same way that they want yeah. to um, vent about it, anything at all. Just reach out to me. I'm always available oh, great. Um, to chat or anything of that sort. Okay, so we'll put your Instagram in the notes so that people can connect with you and follow you. And um, I really appreciate you being open uh, because I think there are going to be, you know, people that reach out to you in different ways, whether it's professionally or maybe somebody heard this. Um, maybe it's a parent and they have children and they're grieving and mm -hmm. they just want to know what that perspective was like. You know, they can reach out to you uh, because you're giving that you know, that firsthand experience of like, this is what it felt like as a child. And this is what your child probably is going through. And this is how you can get your child to move through this. Um, so, um, but Laura Isabel um, Perez uh, Cernuda, thank you so much uh, for being on Some Random Thoughts. We'll definitely have to have you back on. Thank you so much for talking about how do we move through grief and loss, but how do we find happiness? Um, because there is hope out, you yes. know, on the other side of the tunnel, at the other end of the tunnel, there is hope. You can find meaning again. You can find purpose again and joy and happiness. And thank you so much for sharing your story. And uh, it's just a pleasure to know you and uh, appreciate you being here. No, thank you. Thank you. You're doing great things with this podcast. I know you're touching my life. Just like you touched many on the summit itself. Got so much oh, from everything you've ever good. done. So I'm oh, just that means so much. No, that means so much to me. Thank you so much, Laura Isabel. And thank you guys for watching and for listening. And uh, thank you so much for your support. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to Some Random Thoughts. You can find the podcast in audio form wherever you get your podcast. And at anchor.fm slash some random thoughts. You can find the podcast in video form on my YouTube at youtube.com slash Ryan Molkowski. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Ryan Molkowski and on my website at www.ryanmolkowski.com. That's R-Y-A-N-M-U-L-K-O-W-S-K-Y.
programming now. This is a completely self-produced project, and the guests on this program have volunteered their time. So until next time, you have one life. Make the most of it.